Greetings, friend. Welcome to Engaging with Envy, an entertainment interview podcast that promotes mental health advocacy. I'm your host, Miss Envy. And today, our guest is someone that can always put a smile on my face, someone that I am proud to call a friend, the one and only Nick Thompson. Thank you so much for joining me today as my very first podcast guest. How are you? Oh, it's an honor. I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. I'm good. Uh, fun fact for the listeners out there, it's thanks to my love for Hit the Lights that I met my husband. That's what we do. Just yeah. bring people together. <laughs> yep. You you were playing a show in Hartford, and I was originally going to be taking a bus, but I saw an acquaintance on Facebook said that they were going to the show, and I was like, hey, why don't I just give you gas money instead? And lo and behold, the driver of said vehicle was my now husband. Oh, that's awesome. And way better than the bus, too. <laughs> yes, way better. So there will always be a special connection between you and I. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. That's that's wonderful. Yep. That and, and uh, red velvet cake. That's what I... Ah, butt cake. Yes. Butt cake, baby. Always butt cake. <laughs> um, and had I had a more traditional wedding and not on the ice at Staples Center before a hockey game, uh, Hit the Lights would have been brought back together for a performance. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, speaking of Hit the Lights, uh, you guys have brought joy and energy to many people over the years. How did it feel to step up into the spotlight as the lead singer and share more of your talents with everyone? Oh, when, well, when I first did it, um, I, it wasn't something I wanted to do. It took a long time when Colin left to um, to search for a new singer. And it was brought up, me doing it was brought up a couple of times and it really something I wasn't interested in. I was very happy playing guitar and, and, uh, and not singing. Um, but I'd say, first off, it was nerve wracking um, because I just never see myself in in that position, I could never imagine myself being a singer or a frontman for a band. Um, so, you know, there's certainly the the identity crisis you have of, you know, I was always this the guitar player saying backup, and I was perfectly happy doing that. But who would I be as a frontman? What kind of energy would I bring? Um, and there's a lot of pressure when you're the frontman. You know, if you can't sing, if you're not singing well or something, it can ruin the whole band. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a lot of pressure, and I was very nervous. Um, but I would say after our first show, which was in New Jersey, I forget, it was some type of KFC hall or something in New Jersey, but um, the crowd just went off and just made me feel so welcome. Um, and I really liked the fact that I could, you know, get in there, get involved with the crowd and stuff too, more so than when I had a guitar. Um, so I'd say just having the the energy from the crowd there, which I think a lot helped that I was already in the band. So it wasn't like an outsider coming in kind of trying to change things. It was still hit the lights as a whole, you know, maybe minus, minus Colin. Um, so I was very nervous starting out. And after the, the end of that, that set, um, I think we all knew it was going to be okay. You definitely bring a special energy to the stage. Like, I mean, everyone has their own parts to play, but there's just sure. something about your energy alone that just, it brings you in and it gets you hyped up and it just makes you really enjoy being at the show. So. Oh, thank you. Especially when I first started out singing and it's, it's, it's gotten a lot better now that I've gotten older and, and able to kind of reel myself in, but that was the only way I kind of knew how to cope with getting on stage. Cause I am a, a very antisocial person. I don't like to talk to people if I don't have to, you know, I, I'd rather stay out of the spotlight. So a lot of times when I would get on stage, 
Um, and still to this day, sometimes I'll just black out. I just won't remember what happened, what went on. You know, it's just a burst of energy, I'm jumping around, just trying to get myself out of breath, just giving everything I have. Um, so then every once in a while, we'd be on these tours where say, you know, maybe the, the headlining band would be backlined and maybe we wouldn't have any move, room to move around. That mm-hmm. was literal torture for me that I couldn't move around because it's all I knew what to knew how to do. It's the only way I knew how to convey you know, my, my performance to the band. Um, whereas now I don't think I need that as much, you know, if I only have a little spot to stand or whatever, I can make it work. But back, back the, you know, when I first started out, it was, it was very, very hard for me to do anything else except for just jump around and be maniacal and stuff, because, um, that was kind of the only way that I could get out my frustrations of just not wanting to be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That makes any sense. Like a like a hyper puppy that you're just like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go crazy. hundred percent. hundred percent that. Very accurate. Speaking of that, uh, an amazing fan actually did something life changing for you on tour and adopted a lovable pit bull for you. I know that I absolutely adored going to shows and getting to see her whenever you guys were on in town. What was the dynamic like adding the love and joy of having a dog with you on the road? And I'm, I'm sure there was also a lot of stresses as well. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of stresses. It was the worst decision to to acquire a dog during that. It wasn't even my idea to do it. And of course, I ended up with her. Um, still have her today. <laughs> she's in her chair out there right now. Um, she's going to be 13 this year. Wow. Um, Chicago. She's our puppy girl. But um, <laughs> first off, I want to say, I, I, it, with the amount of venues that let us bring her in um, were astounding i can't i still can't believe that that many um venues supported us when we had her in there (laughs) um it was a a challenge even though she loved all the guys you know obviously she had like six dads in that van with her so she had plenty of people to lay on my dog uh she doesn't sleep on my bed with my wife and i because she's a bed hog and that (laughs) was no different when she was on those benches in the van she would slowly she would get on you lean against you and then just slowly try to push you off it was always about her. Number one, she's, <laughs> that's one thing about my dog. It is all about Chicago. She is number one in her world. Everything else is just uh, something that might be able to get her to treats or uh, something is in her way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we only did, I think maybe two tours, maybe a full tour and then maybe a half tour with her. And then we ended up, you know, she stayed home with either a friend or, you know, a, a, a girlfriend or something like that afterwards, because it's not, it just makes things so much harder. Touring can be a pain in the ass as it is. Um, I remember one time she, we went to load in in Pittsburgh. It was like five minutes. It was like a five minute load in and someone had bought a rotisserie chicken, one of those rotisserie chickens from Walmart mm-hmm. and, and hit it, like hit it. We had cushions and stuff in the back. Um, so it wasn't like it was just left out. She found this chicken. All I remember is I opened the back door and there was just a completely empty plastic container. Like there was no chicken whatsoever <laughs> after like being gone for five minutes. And we were looking everywhere in that van for the chicken. We we're like, yeah, she, maybe she got a little bit. She couldn't have eaten the whole thing. She housed that whole chicken in <laughs> under five minutes. And then the hotel room that night was the worst smelling. Like it was mm. probably like negative 12 degrees out. We had all the windows open because her farts were so bad that night. In the morning, she went outside and took this massive, massive diarrhea uh, dump. <laughs> so no that's more hiding chicken. 
yes no more chicken <laughs> but yeah it was, it was a pain in the ass but um also one time in texas usually typically when you're coming from westbound to east you went through el paso and stuff they'll have these these agricultural checkpoints which are basically they just want to look for drugs and if you're abandoned a van you can expect you're gonna be pulled out they're gonna search your entire vehicle it's just something that we've just come become accustomed to we just figure okay now we're gonna waste three hours pull off the side of the road while these assholes just treat us like shit anyway and, and rip apart our stuff um but the one time we had chicago uh, we pulled up rolled down the window and they asked you know obviously what our purpose was moving we said we're in a band and stuff he's like all right pull over to the side and before we finished chicago comes from the back and just starts going bah, 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 and barking really loud <laughs> he goes you guys have a dog in there and we're like, yeah, he like puts his flashlight on and shines it back to this, you know, 70 pound pit bull back there. And he's like, you guys can go ahead. And it turns nice. out they don't check dogs or check vans or vehicles with dogs in it because it messes up the scent of any of the drug dogs anyway. So she saved us a couple hours in, in Texas that way, which is pretty cool. Remember that next time you're going to be passing through areas that uh, don't allow certain substances, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. It's got a little... A little more lax these days, not Texas, mm -hmm. but, but, uh, yeah, that was awesome. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It like, that was always one of my favorite things. Not that I didn't love you guys. You got, you, you know, that clearly, but whenever Chicago was with you, it'd just be like, Oh, puppy time. And yeah. of course, uh, you know, when we would like share, like have rooms near each other in hotels and be like, all right, well, she's over in that room in her crate, but I'm going to go sit over there for a while. Let you guys hang out over here. <laughs> But she, she was great. Lots of lots of jumping on the bed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Crazy puppy times. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but now we're going to switch it up a little bit and talk a little bit into the music styles. Um, you know, you guys are very well known for your energetic pop punk. Um, but when writing your album Invicta, um, you guys kind of chose to change your sound a little bit but still keeping it true to yourselves at the same time. Was there a lot of anxiety about how the fans would react and how your new label would react? And did that have any effect on your writing at all? Of course. Um, yeah. I, I think by the time that we actually got to record Invicta, we had come off, you know, a three year stint being stuck on uh, universal trying to get a record made. So during that period, we just wrote and wrote and wrote, you know, and obviously we'd just get stuff rejected. Um, and the thing, you know, being on Universal was the major label, they're marketing you. So like they signed us because we sold records, not for our sound. So when a major label picks you up and they want to put you on the radio or something, they don't want necessarily like a pop punk band. They want you to make uh, songs that sound like what's doing well on the radio now. Um, so I think we lost a lot of our identity and what, who we were as a band as we just kept getting rejected and rejected and rejected with songs and stuff. Um, and just trying to find, you know, if, if we can't be this type of band, you know, this pop punk band, what kind of band are we? And that's kind of where all these new sounds came from that are on the Invicta record. Um, you know, we had to put into context, you know, what kind of bands on the radio do we like, you know, do we look up to that we, we would, we would like sounding like, you know, where do we want our songs played? And when we thought about that, what came, what it came down to was we were like, well, we would love big open anthemic songs that could be say played you know at, at the super bowl or played in, in an arena you know at a hockey game something like that um we wanted to, to make kind of big songs like uh, i think amberlynn was was really big at the time they were like one of the only mm -hmm. bands from our scene that were able to supersede 
you know, the scene and go on to that mainstream stuff. So we figured that maybe that was the direction we could kind of pull it and make, make it work with my voice and stuff too. Um, so once we got released off of Universal, thankfully, um, and on to Razor and Tie, we really couldn't go back to being the hit the lights from skip school and coast to coast because we had spent the past three years kind of challenging ourselves to write outside that box. So once we got the chance to put out that record, that's why those songs uh, turned out the way they were is because we had to spend our whole process trying to change ourselves just so we could get a record released. Um, and in the process, we changed too. You know, a lot changes as you as a person every four years. You're not the same person. Um, so that's what it was. We took a chance. We didn't, you know, we by no means expected it to, to do well. I think that people would be in love with it. We knew there'd be a little bit of backlash. Um, but it's just something we had to do for ourselves. You know, there really was no way back for us because we had been through that experience and it had changed us. Now, in a similar fashion, what was it like when you announced that you were going to be working on your solo project for Thief Club? Was that kind of your way to bring back the more popular side? Was that just speaking more true to who you are? Yeah, after Invicta came out, we toured on it for a while and it obviously didn't do well. It kind of burned us out, touring burned us out, you know, and it's kind of heartbreaking when you have, you know, a fan base that doesn't like something you put out. You know, it's very much, um, you know, you feel a very personal attack on, on you as well. And while I completely understand people like or don't like Invicta, I totally get it. Um, but after all that, I think we kind of felt, not, and I won't speak for everyone, but I do know that it, a lot of people felt similar. I just felt like I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know who I was as a songwriter. Um, you know, Omar and I had been through so many different songwriters and uh, writing with different people and different producers and just hearing all these these ways that you need to properly write a song and stuff. Um, and when that happens, your brain just gets so muddled up with some ideas. You just don't even know what to do anymore. You know, it's almost like too much information and you just second guess yourself at every turn. So when Thief Club came out, it was basically me just, we had spent maybe a year and a half to use off the road, stayed away from music completely. Um, and when I went back and started listening to my music and listened to like the demos I had written and stuff, I, I realized that there were a lot of ideas there that I really, really liked. And um, I finally was, you know, the dust was settling in my brain as far as who I was and, and what I wanted to be. So I used Thief Club to take those old ideas that, that I had written for Hit the Lights before. Um, and I got a hold of Rob Freeman, our good friend and producer. And I was just like, hey, I just want to come and I want to get these songs off my chest, you know? So as an artist, I can, I can progress, you know, I can move on from this. And it's not just something like, what if, you know, what would, would have happened if I would have done this song? You know, it was a nice cathartic experience and really helped me to find myself again and find my love of music as well and realize, Hey, I fucking love doing this. Um, and for a while, that's just something I, I couldn't see because of all the kind of crappier experiences that we had. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of you being you, that's one of the things that I always appreciated about you as a fan and as a friend is I've over the past like decade or so, I've, I've come to realize that it can sometimes be a little difficult to tell when a band is really your friend or if they're just putting on that persona because they know that that's what they have to do or that's what gets them, you know, X different things and stuff like that. And, you know, I've I've lost a lot of friendships from back in our day, you know, just because they moved on and decided that, you know, 
oh, well, I'm not going to benefit them in any way anymore. So they're, they're often doing things. But with you, you've always been you, whether it was a positive thing or a negative thing. You're just like, this is me. This is what I got to say. Love me or leave me. And, you know, it it really means a lot to the fans and to your friends to to know that you're going to be you and you're not apologetic about it. You're just like, look, this is this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And, you know, and then when you came out with Thief Club, I was like, all right, let's see what this is about. And I was like, OK, this sounds like Nick found himself again, you know, so. Yeah. It's always really nice. And speaking of music, well, you're welcome. Uh, you've been working on a lot of new music lately, both as a vocalist and as a producer. And I was wondering if you could tell us about how all of that's been going. Yeah, um, obviously the pandemic kind of uh, threw a, a wrench in everyone's gears. I was lucky enough, you know, Hit Lice had been off the road for for a couple of years uh, prior to that. So we were lucky that our way of life didn't change as much as a lot of my friends did. And obviously, I'm sure a lot of bands that you know as well. Um, but one thing I, I did do was, you know, I would always go and book time with my friends to go and record my song ideas. Um, and once COVID hit and stuff, I really, I was like, I can't afford to do this anymore. I can't afford plane tickets and studio time and all this. So it really forced me to buckle down and kind of put my money where my mouth was, you know, and kind of reinvest in myself and just things that I had to do. Um, so when it comes to, obviously, I started producing with my friend Rick King um, in Kentucky. We would bring some bands in and work on stuff. And that's, again, something, again, that I didn't think or want to do. I had to have someone bring it up to me and be like, why don't you try this? which is kind of a, a theme in my life, I think, is <laughs> people realizing things before I would ever get a chance. Um, so anyway, from there, I kind of realized that I did like working with bands. I like to use the knowledge that I've acquired over years of songwriting with different people, different producers. Um, and I can, you know, I can put that to younger bands and give them knowledge, you know, to pass on stuff too. just give them little, little tools that they can use to make their songs the best they can. Um, so with that, I started doing that. And then COVID came, things got a lot more remote. I started learning how to record things for myself. Um, and then from there, it's kind of, yeah, it's spiraled out where I, I do features for bands, um, singing on really cool songs, meeting different artists. And now I've just been kind of, um, whether it's remotely or going to, to them personally, um, I've been working with other bands through songwriting and, and producing and just do that until it doesn't make sense anymore. I'm having a blast doing it right now. Yeah. And then you're also doing personal songs for people as well, correct? Yeah, I do that on the side as well. Uh, depends. Like that's a very um, it's it's I kind of open my shop up whenever whenever I have the availability now, um, because it's, it is time consuming and I take it seriously when I do write songs for people. So, um, you know, I'm not going like cranking them out one one in a day because I just I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> that talented. I like to think on it and I like well... uh when I'd say you things. are that talented, but well, thank you. But um, yeah, so I, you know, I do that too. And in fact, my one of my Thief Club releases called New View that came out um, right before the pandemic hit. A lot of those songs on there were songs that I had written for other people that you know came out so great that I hit them up. I was like, hey, can I, you know, can I release these? So it, that's really cool in that way. That's kind of why I was called New View is me being able to step into someone else's shoes and write stuff from their perspectives and. You know, I end up with some of my favorite songs. So it's a really cool, very pure, and uh, words escape me right now. Either way, it's it's so cool that fans can hire me, and in turn, I make cool songs because of them. You know, mm -hmm. that's 
fucking the coolest thing ever. And I'm I'm so lucky to uh, to be able to do that. And then you also work with a kind of party cover band slash karaoke band, correct? Yeah, the emo band. I've worked mm-hmm. with them in the past and I might have some stuff coming up in the future, too. I won't talk too much about it yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, we've done a couple of shows. Um, they're fucking awesome. If you're around the area, around the East Coast, um, emo band, they basically are uh, a band that you can come up with and sing your favorite songs. They know hundreds and hundreds of, of the top pop punk emo mm-hmm. songs. Um, highly recommend going to check them out. They're, they're awesome. And it's a lot of fun. You guys should do a, a crossover tour with uh, punk rock karaoke and have both of you guys doing your shows together. Do the, yeah. the er- earlier set is the the more emo set. And then later in the evening, all the, the angry punk kids can come out. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever they need me, I'm there. I love those guys. I will let them know. <laughs> um, speaking of awesome things, you knew I was going to have to talk about this. You recently began to show the world another side of you with your newest project, Dirt Wolves. Feel free mm-hmm. to howl if you would like. <laughs> uh, personally, I absolutely love this. Like, I've watched those three episodes that are out there. I guess it's technically two, and the first one's kind of a teaser. Another one but coming. I've got another yeah, one. I've, I've just, I, I, re- I repetitively watch it, especially with the little crab guy. He's my favorite. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see more. And... I'm curious what inspired you to pursue this and how long have you had a love for nature and the outdoors that, you know, the rest of us out here didn't know you had such a love for? Yeah, well, I think the the nature and outdoors thing always goes back to um, my family, especially my mother's side, my grandfather. We would go uh, camping in Colorado every year or camping different uh, national parks and stuff like that. Um, So obviously I I had a, I I earned a love for that just from, you know, my parents and, and my grandfather taking me out and showing me things like Yellowstone and, and, uh, you know, Pikes Peak and mountains and, and camping. Um, so I've always loved that kind of stuff. I got into kayaking. I want to say, I think my love for that started in Ohio. Um, just kayaking some of the rivers up around there. And I think kayaking is one of those things where it's either you get in and something clicks and you're like, oh yeah, this is for me or, or you don't. And I'm one of those people where it just immediately clicked and, and, uh, you know, now that I moved down South, I'm down in Myrtle beach, South Carolina. Um, the areas around here, the, the, the low country, the, the swamplands, the cypress, the, the live oak trees, all of this stuff around here just sings to me when I go out there. I just love this ecosystem and these, the animals and everything that's in around here. I just love it so, so much. Um, and I got a job a few years ago as a kayak tour guide around the area uh, through a company called JNL Kayaks. If you guys are around the area, hit them up. They are the best, best guides, hands down. Uh, and through that is where I met my friend Drew, um, who is an avid survivalist, survival man, if you will. Um, and pretty much like a, an older brother I never had, where he was able to show me so many things about you know, um, just even through, through whitewater kayaking and all that stuff, camping, survival skills. Um, so he kind of reinstilled that, that love of, of just being out outdoors, you know, and, and uh, taking a break from your phone, getting away from the computer and, and all the, the Wi-Fi and, and uh, just, just being you, just being you and nature out there. It's, it just, that's something that sings to me. And I'm, so thankful that I'm around this area now that I can uh, I can do that and go on adventures and have a friend that 
we can go out and just get fucking wild for two or three days and explore and get dirty. And, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's wonderful. I love it. Have you had any, uh, interactions that you weren't so happy with? And I'm not talking about low branches that you have to kind of maneuver yourself around, but in the animal world, like, you know, we all know that there's a lot of gators out there in, uh, Myrtle Beach. Yeah, there, I mean, there's gators, but gators don't bother you. You don't look like food. Um, they're not really interested in you. Um, you know, every once in a while, especially right around when it starts warming up around here, they'll have their nesting season and stuff. But for the most part, they just, they'll be defensive. Maybe if you're up, up in them, but I've never had an issue. Never, ever had an issue with a gator. I know Drew hasn't either. I think the the main thing you have to be careful for are things like pop-up storms, being stuck in, in the middle of, of water, to say like a water spout or a thunderstorm, a lightning storm hits. Yeah, that's really what you have to worry about, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, always making sure you know how to swim. <laughs> and if you're camping around the area too, we have everything from, you know, black bear, um, you know, coyote, all that stuff. So you, it's it's good to make sure you're tying up your food and it helps to have a gun with you too, <laughs> just to be safe. But thankfully, I, and I'm not going to wood, we haven't had any, any bad uh, quitter, critter run-ins yet. You know, you get your occasional water moccasins and stuff too. But again, they, they don't bother you and I don't bother them. I just uh, can appreciate them from afar. Yeah, it sometimes seems like a lot of the the gator and other animal situations is mostly because of people being dumb and poking at them, you know? Oh, for sure. And there's a ton of, same with the snake stuff too. You hear about people getting bit and stuff and, you know, there's something like a snake falling in someone's kayak. And you're like, always, always take that stuff with a grain of salt until you really read the story. Because you're, you're about to read that, you know, what happened was this dummy went and started pulling on this, you know, this viper's tail or whatever, you know, or, or got too close. I know down in Florida, the gators are a little, little more something to be worried about just because there are so many of them. Um, up here, they're, they're not as bad. And you're more than likely to, to run into them on, on a golf course than you are um, out in nature around here. <laughs> yeah. Now, what are your goals with the wolves? Like, are there places that you're hoping to adventure that you haven't been before? Are you hoping to kind of educate people, entertain people, a little of everything? Yeah, a little of everything. Um, right now, we, we'll have a new video coming out. I was able to go down to Florida, um, down in the, the springs down there, which is beautiful. Absolutely amazing footage. Can't wait to show it. Um, but me and Drew, we're going to do, I, I know we'll probably do an Asheville one up in Green River soon. Um, but there's really no, no, um, you know, we don't have any limit on anything. You know, I, I would love to go and check out um, uh, up in Seattle, up the rainforest, up around Washington as well. We talked about doing that. Um, it's really just a matter of whenever we can we can find those openings and stuff to get away. And now the weather's finally starting to warm up. I'm really looking forward to what we'll do this year as well. Yeah. And with COVID being kind of still here, that also gives you a lot less crowding when you're going to these places too, which has to be nice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was the dumbest thing when COVID hit around here for like the first like two weeks of lockdown, they shut down all the public boat ramps too. So you couldn't even go kayaking. <laughs> like the, the safest thing you could do, you know, all the rich people that had their own boat dock stuff, they could get out on the water, but mm -hmm. just us, us plebs could. And it was just the, the dumbest thing. Thankfully they, they backed out of that really fast, but I just, there was no logic to that whatsoever. It's like, let people get out on the fucking water by mm -hmm. themselves leave everyone alone don't shut down boat ramps like the one place you could go mm -hmm. liquor stores and costco wide open go fuck yourself yeah um 
along with the fun side of Dirt Wolves, will there be merch? Because you know you need to make a patch of that logo. Yes, there'll definitely be merch. We've got some <laughs> stickers that we enjoy, but um, yeah, I think a couple shirts and stuff too. I, I just want to make sure we get a couple more episodes out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as soon as I, I start cranking out some more of these episodes, we'll we'll definitely do that. And I yeah. love to hear you say it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it seriously, like when, when you announced it, the first time you started hinting at it, like even when you first started posting like your kayak videos and stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm like, Nick likes nature. Okay, cool. I'm liking this. And like, I would be like anxiously like checking my stories and Instagram and be like, oh, has Nick done anything else? Cool. And then like you announced the Dirt Wolves project. I'm like, okay, he's speaking to my soul right here because like <laughs> animals and nature, like as an empath, like that stuff just speaks to me. Like yeah, absolutely. one of the, the biggest moments I had was the first time I went out to California and being in front of the ocean. And like, it just is so overpowering. <sighs> Like it's a different beast just being near the ocean compared to like out here on the east. And like ever since then, like there's so many new things that I'm like opening up to and just being like, you know, this is just like I don't understand how people can't like enjoy just going for a walk at at the ocean or going for a walk in the woods. And, you know, I've also been doing a lot with the the WCS. It's like the Bronx Zoo and their collective zoos and aquarium and they have a lot of like encounter programs and stuff. So like you can, you know, spend a few bucks to that goes towards helping take care of the animals. And then now you get to sit in a room for like 15, 20 minutes with penguins and pet them and learn about yeah. them, you know. And, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's just people underestimate the power of animals and the power of nature. Like there's just something that it it just calms you. It makes you feel at peace. It makes you feel happy for no reason other than just being and, you know, so when, when you started doing this, I was like, OK, I'm like, I love hit the lights, but I might even love this more in the future. Like, you know, it, it's just something that so connects to me and everything. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised, to, like when they sit down, they're like, oh, cool. Nick from hit the lights. Let's check it out. Oh, he's doing nature things. Oh, wait, this is actually pretty cool. I have a feeling that, you know, there's going to be moments that people are going to be like, dude, I had no idea kayaking wasn't just some hippie thing like you're you're the broiest bro we know. Like you're out there in the kayak. Like maybe I should try it too. You know, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I what you speak to, I think, resonates with me as well. It's you know, we are not built to live in the environment that that we live in right now. Um, we have not evolved to be happy in, in this type of environment. We haven't evolved to be happy in in a cubicle or inside all the time. We're staring at these screens. What we are built to do is be out in nature you know be connected with this stuff and we are connected but i think anymore it's gotten so hard for people to see or maybe they don't even know because they can't experience it anymore people in the city don't have this stuff um and i think it's so so important that we find our way and reconnect ourselves with nature because the fact is like it is us and we are we are it and when we take that away from us when we take that out of our soul you know, we're going to have a hole. We're going to have that stuff there. That depression stuff gets involved. A lot of, you know, be just being outside, getting that exercise out in nature stuff can do so, so much for your health and your mental well-being and stuff. And it's really a matter of going out and actually doing it. And a lot of people don't have that option. You know, I'm so grateful that I have the things around me that I do. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I think that so much of this, this new, this newfound, um, and I know we'll, we'll get to it, but this, you know, this mental health and, and, and depression and, and, and the antidepressant stuff, like it, it all is all connected with us 
living lives how we are right now and we're just not built to handle that you know we are not built to do that we're built to be out we're, we're built out to be out in woods and enjoy ourselves and and breathe in the trees and all that stuff and um you know we've fallen away from that as hippie yeah. as it sounds it's just true it is and you know myself deal with anxiety and depression you know it's two big That's factors in my life and you know, a few years back, I, I finally got on medication for it and it helped a lot. I was no longer feeling like a, a skittish cat and could kind of live life a little bit better. But, you know, as a perfect example, when COVID first hit, like I was feeling the loss of being able to go to the local farm and pet the sheep or like go walk around the zoo and just smile at all these animals and things. And, you know, like it just went to really show how much like nature and animals really can change somebody, especially in the mental mm -hmm. health world. Cause like, who's not going to like start smiling when they see like a cute red panda or like a bunch of little fuzzy ducklings and like stuff like that, you know? And right. I, I'm hoping that a lot of people not only see your new project as just something fun you're doing, but also a cool idea that maybe they should try. And maybe they'll realize just from watching, they'll get that little serotonin kick or something and be like, you know, this could be really cool. Maybe I should try this too. And, you know, who knows? Maybe just by you having a good time and sharing what you love, you might be able to help some other people conquer some of their issues, you know? Oh, I would I would love that. You know, and it's, it's a lot of fun for us to do. And a lot of times it's it's me right there learning with everyone else too, you know, which mm -hmm. is which is awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the hey, what's this over here? And then, you know, it's like some different type of crab you'd never seen and it's pinching your finger off and your friend's like, Yeah, well, uh, that's called you're a dumb shit, but uh let me tell you more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, with this interview coming to an end, which of course I don't want it to, but you do have a lot of things going on in life. Um, but is there anything else you would like to to say or promote or just, you know, now's your chance. <laughs> Um, well, uh, like I said, I, there is a new, uh, episode of Dirt Wolves coming up. Um, it'll be Florida. There'll be, there'll be gators in there, plenty of turtles, crystal clear water, absolutely, uh, beautiful experience down there. I'm excited. We have so much footage I'm digging through now. So, um, besides that, uh, there will be new Thief Club on the way very soon. Um, it won't be pop punk. So <laughs> I will see people either love it or hate it. It's going to be a pure art project for me on this end. Um, that being said, I am saving all my pop punk stuff for some from future HTL. So Ooh. be on the lookout for that stuff too. Slowly but surely. I feel my heart beating faster at the at the notion of <laughs> more hit the lights music. Yes. So does that mean that there may be even touring in the future someday? Maybe touring. If it's if it's touring, it'll probably be more festival dates stuff like mm -hmm. that. But um, now that some of the kids, um, some of the HTL kiddies are getting a little older and stuff too, I know um, mm -hmm. dads will be a little more comfortable um, being away. But no, no big tours, but for sure we might do little dates here and there. Anything that mm -hmm. makes sense. And, um, you know, it'll just be nice to, to get out and, and make some music again. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, you know, make some calls, have a little Glamour Kills reunion and get all you know let, let's let's make me really happy let's just do a redo of the tour of like you and farewell and every avenue that tour that was my life oh my God, that it. was my life i mean yeah i actually had marky um do uh artwork for um a thief club release i did with um jay from just surrender his band with abandon 
So it was cool to talk to Marky again, and he came through and made an awesome design and all types of fuzzy nostalgia flowing through flowing through the process. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. like honestly, some of my favorite memories in life have been revolving around you guys in some way. Just so many good times. Like that's just what you guys did. Like you were just a bunch of dudes hanging out, making music, having fun. And just from being around you guys, there was so much good energy and like you couldn't not smile. You know, you couldn't not enjoy the music and like dance around. And you did a lot for me, um, especially for my mental health, because you guys brought in a lot of friends. I've made so many friends through you guys, my husband. And just, you know, if I was having a bad day, just turn on you guys and like I'm instantly in a good mood. You know, so music saves. It does. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm honored to be a part of, of your life. That's that's awesome. And my, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm just so thankful for all the members we made and mm-hmm. and uh, all the the I guess the the community and the connections that we've we've had and made with other people. It's 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 so amazing. And uh, I still can't really believe it's what happened happened. And like I said, at the end of the day, I'm just incredibly thankful that we. Um, we did what we did and uh you know maybe we'll we'll do some more yep either way whether it's with hit the lights thief club other projects or the dirt wolves i know that <laughs> you're going to be changing some lives in some ways but thank you again for doing this with me here and uh we'll be sure to drop the links in the description so everyone can check everything out and uh we'll see you soon awesome thank you <laughs> 